Okay, today we come to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and as you're probably accustomed to by now, uh, Paul is addressing in this chapter uh, a couple of very different issues that apparently needed addressing in the Corinthian church of that day. Um, and uh, and they're, they're worth our attention, so let's uh, consider a, a couple of those things here. And uh, the, the first thing I'd want to say about the first half of this chapter is, um, what? <laughs> verses verses 2 through 16 of verse uh of 1 Corinthians 11 I will admit major understatement forthcoming they are hard to understand uh in in these verses Paul discusses the different differences in roles between men and women and gets to the issues of uh praying and prophesying with or without a woman's head being covered because I must admit that I myself perhaps do not understand exactly and precisely and totally, completely what Paul was thinking in his mind here. I, I'm not going to dwell long, but that doesn't mean we can say nothing about these verses. So let, let me just mention what I believe is going on here uh, in the big picture. The, the This chapter is at the beginning, um, although many different issues will be discussed. It's at the, at the beginning of a, an extended section of 1 Corinthians dealing with roles and order within the congregation when the church meets for worship. Okay, The latter half of this chapter is going to deal with order and decorum during the Lord's Supper. And in the next three chapters, chapters 12, 13, and 14, very well-known chapters, deal with the exercise of and use of spiritual gifts in the church and during the church service when the church gathers. That same principle is applying here. What we find in the first half of 1 Corinthians 11, however we understand it, should be understood and placed within that context of how a church should operate and function when it gets together and meets for worship. That being said, verses 2 through 16 seem to be a discussion of the different roles of men and women during the church gathering. What makes this passage particularly difficult to understand is that it is couched very heavily in first century cultural garb. The talk of heads being covered or uncovered kind of throws us off. It's, it's difficult to know if he's talking about uh, haircut styles, for example, um, Verse 5, but every wife who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. It is the same as if her head were shaven. So it, is he talking about a haircut style or is he talking about women wearing some kind of shawl? Um, either way, Paul's ultimate point seems to be that in the home and in the church, God has placed uh, authority and headship with with men, and with that, greater responsibility. Uh, verses uh, 7 through 10 lay that out. Um, and and don't ask me what because of the angels means in verse 10. Verse 10 says, that is why a wife ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. I, I, I just, I really don't know what, what that means. I'm not saying it has no meaning. I just don't know what it is at this point. But Paul is in absolutely no way making a distinction of worth 
or value between women and men. Just think of the, the point he's making in verses 11 and 12. Read that again and, and see proof of that. Paul is acknowledging that every generation and every culture needs to, to find ways uh, to reflect the different roles and relationships that God gave to men and women, not only in the family but in the church. He's not saying that women should have no participation whatsoever since he seems, in verses 5 and 13, to permit woman, women to prophesy and to pray in church. The, the matter uh, is uh, doing that, pro- prophesying and praying, with full recognition of the structure uh, of authority and responsibility given to men by God's creative design and prerogative. Let me, let me close and summarize this point with a helpful passage I've read before on these verses from, uh, from Tom Schreiner who teaches uh, New Testament and theology at, um, at Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville. And he, he's written this on this issue in these verses, verses 2 to 16. He says, Paul's instructions are not restricted to the Corinthian situation, but rather represent the practice in all the churches. Women are permitted and even encouraged to prophesy and pray in church, but they are to do so in a manner and with a demeanor that support the created order. A difference in role between men and women does not cancel out the fundamental equality of men and women in Christ. We are reminded of Galatians 3.28 where men and women are one in Christ and have equal access to the promise of salvation. Certainly there are social ramifications to the equality enjoyed by men and women in Christ. According to Paul's own writings, however, the equality between men and women does not cancel out a difference in function or role. In the same way, God is the head of Christ, 1 Corinthians 11.3, and Christ submits to the Father, 1 Corinthians 15.28, without compromising the truth that Christ is God and is equal to the Father. The cultural expression in the first century of the role difference between men and women manifested itself in the wearing of a shawl. That's that's an end quote. That's his uh, summary and take on the the reference to head coverings in the first half of 1 Corinthians 11. But before we move on to um, to the next chapter tomorrow, let's think uh, secondly about uh, the Lord's Supper in the second half of 1 Corinthians 11. Uh, so that's the whole um, focus of the second that half of the chapter and apparently in the early church there in Corinth the Lord's Supper was uh, too often an occasion for factions uh, among them he'll say that in verse 19 um, it appears that in that day the Lord's Supper was just a, a portion of a larger fellowship meal that the that the church shared together and also that some were eating all the food before <laughs> the others got there verse 20 to 22 it, it it does seem that this this fellowship meal was more necessary for some than for others so that they didn't go hungry and it caused division when those who needed the food the most didn't get any uh because others did not wait for them to to arrive and it's a, a specific a specific problem that we don't really 
have surrounding the Lord's Supper now in the way that we practice it, but it's a good lesson in the importance of always deferring to others rather than thinking only of ourselves. And of course, in verses 23 to 26, Paul lays out the classic verses for the administration of the Lord's Supper, and there he reminds us not only of the meaning and significance of the meal uh, in verses 24 and 25, that is the new covenant in my blood. Um, for more on that, go back to our podcast, re-listen to our podcast on John 13 if you want to um, hear more about that and be reminded of that significance of the, the meal celebrating the new covenant in, in the blood of Christ, but also the enduring nature of the meal according to verse 26 that we're to, we're to observe it until he comes again. The meal is both uh, looking back to what Christ has done for us, looking forward to what he is going to do in the future and we don't need to think of the Lord's Supper as merely um, a memory uh, or just um, yeah, looking back or looking forward but we need to realize that when we observe the Lord's Supper the Lord is graciously, graciously present with us in the meal and thus we're not to come to it flippantly or irreverently that's, that's what um, verses 27 and and uh, and following talk about the Lord has left to the church visible pictures of what he has done for us in Jesus Christ baptism and the Lord's Supper baptism is an ordinance to be performed once to mark us out as belonging among the Lord's people while the Lord's Supper is a means of grace and constant reminder that we are secure in Christ because of what he has done for us and for our salvation. And those are just a couple of thoughts from 1 Corinthians chapter 11.